Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into short films in today's reviews episode. I can show you the world. Just take a look through my eyes. Before uh, we get into the reviews part of today's reviews episode, uh, there will be six short films that we talk about, all of which won an Oscar at the Academy Awards on the year that they were eligible. Uh, There are two documentaries, two live action films, and two animated films to kind of give everything a bit of a a balance, as they say. Uh, I've been watching a lot of them, and... You know, I, I think that they deserve their their spot and their time as much as any other film does. And uh, I've always been a big proponent of that. And I need to reflect that a little bit more on the podcast, I think. A little bit more. However, before we get into that, um, I just want to um, address an iTunes review that I got. Uh, because I think... Um, I, don't, I, I know I mentioned... Uh, the the that I would I would read emails and things like that on on the episode the very next episode and as well as Patreon subscribers and whatnot but that does extend to iTunes reviews and uh, this one comes from I, I assume that the this is how the letters break down into two words but the beast T H E B E E S T um. And the review goes something like this. This is the pod that actually got me to start listening to podcasts. I was drawn in from playing Fantasy Movie League with the host, and I initially started listening to see how much he intermingled conversation from the game with his movie analysis. So that's zero. Uh, the, the, there was a time when I would briefly talk about Fantasy Movie League uh, on my Wednesday episodes with regards to the... Um, private league that I'm in, the Cinerealists Fantasy Movie League that I'm in. And that time has passed uh, for various reasons, but many of them kind of uh, circle back to uh, the fact that uh, the way that I track movies and the way I project that they will make money, uh, not really something that's that's fun to listen to you know just kind of an hour of talking about fandango sick ticket sales uh, you know I, I don't think anyone wants to listen to that um maybe its own special episode once a, you know someday in the future but uh, in so far as as the how how i play fantasy movie league or how anybody plays fantasy movie league you know there are podcasts devoted to that and or at least think there are i don't listen to them but if there were there are uh those are better for that however uh to continue his database of films he has watched is highly impressive and i've also enjoyed hearing what he has to say about movies of all types uh thank you for that five star review i really appreciate it um there are so many people that i love that i play fantasy movie league with i've talked to many of them already uh on the show and uh, it's just it's a great community and it means a lot to get that kind of reaction and support and uh yeah it does and this week um is the final week of the summer 2018 fantasy movie league season so uh if you don't play if you've 
heard me talk about if you're interested at all. Uh, next week is the first week of the new season. So everyone starts out with a clean slate. So no better time to join than right now. So uh, moving on from that. All right. Appreciate that. Great. Um, let's, let's review some short films, shall we? And we're going to start, we're going to do these in chronological order as far as when I saw them, not when they were released. And that brings us to 2003's Two Soldiers. Two Soldiers, uh, which actually stars uh, a name that many will be familiar with in Ron Perlman. Uh, One best live action short film in 2003. It is in English. And the main premise of the movie uh, you have two brothers, and the older brother uh, goes off to join the war effort and leaves the younger brother behind. And the younger brother, not super pleased by this, uh, tracks down his older brother. You know, he, he walks tens of miles, he takes a bus, he dupes and um, deceives adults along the way. He is... Um, very, very uh, emotional and uh, adamant about finding his brother and, you know, will stop at nothing to do so. And it's a cute, it's it's fairly long. It's one of the longer short films uh, that has won Best Live Action Short. I think it's over, it's like 30, 35 minutes long. And it's it's pretty pretty straightforward so you know you you start out with this kid on a journey you know that you you generally know what's going to happen and where it's going to lead and that's that's pretty much the biggest flaw of short films is that they have really two options they either lead to a place that you can predict from the beginning or they try to subvert you by having a twist ending and that and those two things in and of themselves don't really make a film even a short film worth seeing. Uh, a short film needs to have more to it than that. It needs to uh, be be worth more than its ending and more than its journey because there's a lot, you know, you look at a, a feature-length film, you have so much more time to to take your audience uh, on a trip to in, in many different directions across many different um locales and a short film doesn't really have that opportunity it has to use a compact running time and make great use you know it's it's time a minute in a short film is worth far more than a minute in a feature film generally speaking and in my opinion two soldiers not the best use of its time i think it's long even for a short film i think it 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 really falls under the umbrella of you know it's it's far too saccharine for its own good you know ron perlman is fun he's nice in it the the little kid is is great in it too but otherwise it's it's very average and very mediocre in my opinion it doesn't really try to reimagine anything it doesn't you know the writing is is nothing to 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 laud or or to to credit very much um it's it's just a very straightforward thing uh and in that sense it's it's very average as a film Uh, i ultimately gave this thing a 50 
and uh, you know I think it, it really falls right on that line of it has some okay elements it has some not okay elements and they kind of all average out you know the short running time is is both a crutch and um, and a boon you know depending on which element of it you're looking at you know it's it's not gonna kill you to watch it it's it's gonna be you know it's gonna be exactly what it is it's it's my my description of it is exactly what the movie ends up being and you know it should be more than that it should have some some added element to it it needs some other flair some some sort of distinction and it didn't really have that for me so uh, for that reason Two Soldiers, 2003, I gave it a 50. It won live-action short, though. Um, I don't know. I can look it up, actually. Well, I'll do that later. Okay, okay. So, mm, solid sideways thumb on Two Soldiers. And um, the next one next one I watched, is called Nature's Half Acre. This is a documentary short film that won live-action short film back in 1951, before, um, either before documentary short film was a category or during the period where uh, you can be nominated for either, if you're a live-action documentary, uh, whatever the case may be. Um, from 1951, Nature's Half Acre, I've briefly talked in the past about a little documentary that I love called Microcosmos. And Microcosmos is a dialogue-free documentary that uses um, super-magnified lenses to film incredibly high-definition wildlife in a backyard, which mostly amounts to insects and, and so forth. And it tracks them as they go about their day, as they just do random things. And the nature of which the film, you know, the, the moments that are captured, the style, the music behind it, all of that kind of com combines to form a very dramatic, very powerful, emotional moment and, and film that I think is absolutely exceptional. One, it is my, you know, favorite documentary of all time. Nature's Half Acre is kind of like the short film version of Microcosmos, but it has melodramatic music in it, and it has a narrator who helps explain to you what is going on and, and the reasoning behind things and, and how they work, and uh, that's kind of, to me, you know, you know, uh, playing to the lowest common denominator, and it, it really stifles the the creativity of this kind of filmmaking in my opinion now obviously nature's half acre came out you know about 45 years before microcosmos did so it definitely had the jump on it but you know they hadn't really figured out the best way to show without telling in these kind of nature documentaries and nature's half acre is kind of the proof of that now there are plenty of fascinating elements to this film uh you know you get a lot of scenes and sequences of just you know, wildlife acting and and being in itself and spending its time together and 
uh, just going about a normal day, and that's fascinating, and I, I really enjoy that. You know, I, I've always kind of had a fascination with nature and wildlife and, and so on, but, uh, you know, I, I don't necessarily need someone telling me what I'm watching. You know, uh, there's a sequence that involves Venus flytraps catching a fly, and I can easily tell that this fly lands in the flytrap and is eaten. I don't need the narrator to be to come up and say, you know, uh, something to the effect of, once it's in there, a fly can never escape. Its feet are stuck. You know, it doesn't it, unnecessary, unnecessary, and that's pretty much the whole way through, and. You'd be hard pressed to find a good, uh, good, na- good narration on a nature film that isn't just explaining what you're seeing. You want the narration to either not be there, or you know, embellish or or add on to the things that are on the screen. And in Nature's Half Acre, certainly not what happens. Uh, however, it won Best Live Action Short Film back in 1951. I give it a 49, so just south of a 50, one point below two soldiers, and uh, yeah, I I mean, again, like, if I mute it, I think I would enjoy the film a lot more, but that's not how that works, Uh, and I mentioned the melodramatic score, the film, you know, it, it really tries to elicit, it goes way over the top in trying to elicit emotions, um, buy it with the music, and, and I think it could have played things a lot more subtle and a lot more uh, nuanced in that regard. So, Nature's Half Acre from 1951 has a 49. Next up is a film from, technically from 1962, although it was only eligible at the Oscars for the year of 1963, of which it won Best Live Action Short. Uh, and this is a film called An Occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge. And this is an interesting one. Uh, so very little, very, very little dialogue to be had. Uh, the premise is you have a man who is uh, being hanged. And in the process, uh, he is able to escape and then spends, you know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes trying to get away from the captors, his own captors, and and get back to his family. That's the general premise. And this film, much unlike Two Soldiers, goes the opposite direction with with short films in that it has a twist ending as opposed to a naturally proceeding ending. And so the onus is on an occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge to have this twist, make it a realistic but also... Um, manageable and understandable twist that doesn't completely like ruin the movie in a way that feels silly uh, but also has retroactive effects on everything you just saw and in my opinion it does that I think it has a very good twist ending it has a very good kind of shock moment that really makes you reevaluate everything that happens leading up to it. And it, it really, it has this commentary on sort of, you know, the, the, the types of, of 
situations that you can be in when you're in peril, when you are uh, that close to, to dying, and what that means for a person in that position. And I think that what it's saying is, is worthwhile and, and worth listening to and hearing and, and trying to com- comprehend and reconcile within our own, own state of mind. Because I think most people don't really have an experience like that. We aren't really spending time near death on the regular. And so most of us don't really have an idea of what that would look like and what we would do and how we would react. You know, we've seen a lot of movies and TV shows and instances of where this happens. And, you know, depending on what kind of near-death experience it is can change, uh, you know, the reaction. But we all kind of have this idea in our heads that, you know, if it's something like hanging or whatnot, you know, we're going to fight as much as we can to, to avoid this circumstance, to avoid this result. And... Uh, this is a film that that shows what that is and what that can be, and uh, I, I like I like it a lot for that reason. I think it, it has a lot of good elements to it. It's it's well shot. It's well made. I believe it's in black and white, if I remember correctly. Uh, it has a strong lead performance, and uh, the action. There's a lot of action, and it's it's really well done, well made, well produced, well choreographed action at that so i am a fan a big fan of an occurrence at owl creek bridge uh to the tune of a rating of 70 70 so big jump up here for an occurrence at owl creek bridge um and uh i think definitely worth a look and speaking of that um all six short films that i'm talking about today can be found for free online streaming i will Try to track down the links and add them to the show notes if any of these catch your interest. Um, I would recommend seeing all of them just to kind of give you yourself. I mean, they're short, so you could probably see all of them in the span of like two, two and a half hours. And um, yeah, I think I think it's a, a worthwhile endeavor. So An Occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge from 1962, winning the Oscar in 1963, I gave it. A 70. Moving on to number four. This is the only film that actually won Best Documentary Short on this list. Uh, it is also primarily in a foreign language. Uh, it's from. It's the most recently released film of the ones I'm talking about, technically being a 2012 film, but winning the Best Documentary Short Oscar in 2011, and that is Saving Face. Uh, easily the most emotionally impacting film on this list for me. It is a documentary uh, about Pakistan and the trend and habit of people throwing acid on women uh, who are um, unfaithful or just acting against uh, expectations almost. And what the documentary does is follows a plastic surgeon from the United States who is Pakistani. And he hears about this. He figures out what's happening. And he sees pictures of it. Um, you know, the, the, the film is not, does not hold back in that regard. You see a lot of very distorted, very, very affected faces of women who have had acid thrown on them that are completely uh, ruined 
um, and look in some cases not even human and it's it's horrific it's incredibly horrific and so this plastic surgeon decides to go home to Pakistan to do what he can uh, as a plastic surgeon uh, you know which is kind of exactly able you know he's able to treat the um, the symptoms not the the disease in this instance but you know treating any part of it is is a helpful situation so he goes back to Pakistan. We get to see him talk and interview and, and listen to some of the stories that these women tell. And oh my goodness, uh, there is, you know, we, we see a, a kind of cutaway from him where, you know, he says he listens to all these stories and it's all he can do to not get angry, to not get upset, to not, uh, you know, yell uh, because, you know, that's not helping. You know, that's not going to help these women who have already been through these awful situations, you know, he is here to try to make them look, you know, real, like, like alive and, and not like burn victims. And, uh, you know, it shows a couple of these stories and man, it is, it is rough. It is really rough and, and tough to comprehend. Um, but what's worse, um, if you can, get worse, you know, worse than having a woman tell the story of herself being burned alive with acid and it being, and then like her being lit on fire is when we talk to some of the men involved in these shenanigans because uh, we talked to like two or three of them, I think. And one of them, you know, he just kind of lies. He just straight up lies that it didn't happen, he wasn't the one that did it, this, that, and the other, you know, the other one, you know, goes on and on about how this is just how things are, and it just, it's harrowing, it's, it's deeply, deeply troubling, and you, you get this one exchange of the, the interviewer asking a guy, uh, you know, she, asking him about his, his wife, and saying, she wanted a divorce. Why didn't you, you know, are things good between the two of you? Are things, are, you know, you said you didn't want to get a divorce. So, you know, why is that? And he's like, no, I don't love her anymore, but we're married. So that's how things are. And it's just the, the matter of fact way that the, the, these men talk and, and address the situation and react and feel is, is shocking. It's stunning. Uh, you know, they are purposefully existing in a less than joyous relationship that is not only not, you know, not happy for them, but also is 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 dangerous and and painful to their spouse. And they are continuing to persist despite um, just despite uh having the option of, of not doing that. And then, you know, that's, that's a belief thing and that's a, a, a marriage thing. And, and, and that's how it is. And that sucks, unfortunately. But, uh, the other element of the documentary, however, is that this is an situ issue that is being brought up in government over in Pakistan, at least at the time of this documentary being made, and steps, real steps, were being taken and improved uh, in 
um, in in this uh, in this country. And you know, you have some people who, you know, they're on the right track. But you know, one guy mentioned, you know, if we if we hear anybody throwing acid on anybody, we grab them and we immediately drag them into the town square and we do the same thing to them. And you know, okay, okay, buddy, your heart's in the right place, but. Uh, you're being a little extreme, but you know at least this film it gives you enough hope and showcases that things are actually improving and things are actually taking steps in the right direction. Uh, so I, I it's it's a very great it's a great expose on this situation that I wasn't even aware of um, until watching this documentary, which you know maybe says more about me than anything else. But I I really think. It's worth seeing. It's worth looking at because these are images that won't ever leave your sight, um, and uh, they shouldn't, because no one should. No one should have to go through something like this. Nobody. Uh, so that's Saving Face from 2012, winning the Oscar for Best Documentary Short in 2011, and I gave it a 69. So might seem like a low number given how I talk about it. That said, the information provided in the documentary is great and, and fantastic. It's amazing footage and, and great access. That said, it's also, you know, not... It, it's tough because, like, as a documentary, it's not really adding in that sense. It's good. It's definitely good. But it is not exactly uh, improving things. It's not... Uh, it's not doing anything special that a documentary can't always do anyway. And uh, I do think that the the plastic surgeon guy, uh, in some instances, is kind of a doofus <laughs> a little bit, uh, which is fine. You know, he's, de- he's still a well-meaning doofus, and he's still doing a lot of great things. But he still is a little bit of a doof in a, ca- a couple of cases. So, uh, saving face. Saving face. Moving on to the first of our two animated films, uh, we go to 2003's Best Animated Short Film winner, and that is Harvey Crumpet. This is a claymation film uh, that is basically uh, a story of the life of Harvey Crumpet, who is an animated guy who is one of the most unlucky people in the world. He is struck by lightning, he suffers from terrible disease, and uh, many, many other bad things happen to him along the way. And that in and of itself is, is kind of interesting, but doesn't, it needs a hook. It needs something else. It needs something to kind of push it over the top. And the thing that does that uh, with Harvey Crumpet is facts, spelled F-A-K-T in this short film. Um, basically, throughout the film, Harvey says, uh, he has a fan- there's a fantastic line where we're told, that Harvey learns that facts are still facts even when you can't... Oh, how does he phrase it? Facts are still facts even when you don't know them or, or something to that effect. Basically saying that uh, if you were to say, you know, the walls of my apartment are white. If I'm not here, if I can't see them, if I'm talking to somebody else who's never seen the walls of my apartment and I tell them that, it's still a fact. It's whether or not they know it, it's a fact. And this is a fascinating concept because I don't think 
there are some definitely a lot of people who don't agree with this this line of reasoning. I won't name names, but you know, if I say that you know such and such, this many people were dot were killed uh, by the death penalty last year in the United States, it's true. It's just true. If if the statistic is if it's a fact, it's a fact always, and you can't. You can argue it as much as you want. That doesn't change that it's still a fact. And I like. And so throughout the film, throughout Harvey Crumpet, he gives us more and more facts. He gives us a lot of facts, actually, that are at times funny, uh, at times interest, introspective, uh, at times um, philosophical, and they're it's it's they're very simple. They're very straightforward. And, you know, one of the facts is, um, let me see if I can remember it correctly, uh, the people who wrote uh, the Bible also believed that the earth was flat. And now, you know, you can, you can draw from that fact whatever you want, but regardless, it is a fact. And, I, like, I, I love, there's some just brilliant connections and, and uh, lines drawn between things that... You know, you don't always think about every day, and and I think this highlights some sort of um, subtle nuances and and intricacies that otherwise kind of pass by, and and, and really leave you wondering. Um, so I I'm a big fan. I really liked Harvey Crumpet. It's it's good animation. It's it's funny. It's silly, but it makes you think, and it gives you. It provides insight into, into a lot of things that, uh, you know, seem harmless and, and innocuous at first, but definitely lead to a, a pretty, you know, fascinating philosophical direction. And, you know, that's that's more than what I, what, what I need out of my short films. Uh, so I'm a big fan. I like Harvey Crumpet a lot. Uh, from 2003, Best Animated Short Winner. I gave it a 70, so that puts it on par with An Occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge. Um, Owl Creek Bridge uh, and Harvey Crumpet, definitely very thought-provoking films, very, very uh, inspiring in that sense. So, that ge- that leads us to the last of the short films that I'm going to talk about. And this one is kind of an animated documentary, but it's it's not really... Uh, it's called The Moon and the Sun, S-O-N, colon, An Imagined Conversation. It's from 2005, it won Best Animated Short. And the reason I call it partially a documentary is because the the filmmaker, the director, the writer, uh, he is creating this story, or creating this conversation that he might have had with his father. And it, it's it's all, you know based on him and his life and, and what happened to him. So in a sense, it has documentary elements to it. But it is an animated film. It is is all drawn. But it features the voice talents of John Turturro as the son and Eli Wallach as the father. And it subsists of uh, the, the son just kind of talking through things with his dad and... and and trying to come to terms with the relationship that they had, and 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 you know the good, the bad, uh, generally the bad, and how 
things could have been and, and you know where things went wrong and and what led to what and it's it's really fascinating because the son wrote all of this conversation he wrote his own side he also wrote the side of his dad and so he as a son as a kid uh you know you generally have a pretty good idea of who your dad is and and you know how he talks and how he would respond in certain situations but you know it's not perfect you can't possibly know exactly what they're going to say and so to that effect you get this you know you you end up with this uh conversation where you know it's it's not real it never really happened but you know that it's close to what could have actually happened. It's close to what would have actually happened. And that's fascinating. I think that's fascinating. I think it's it's brilliant. And I think it, it leads to a lot of interesting uh, places. Because you can, on one hand, take the, you know, this is pretty much what would have happened. And, you know, look at it from that perspective and say, okay, well... You know, this is, you know, they would have been resolving this issue or, or agitating this issue or, you know, coming to terms with this disconnect between the two of them and so on and so forth. But there's the other side of it where you can say, well, what would, what different, how would he actually have responded differently? You know, what doesn't feel right about this conversation? What makes, would have made more sense, uh, you know, because... As the viewer, you know, listening to this conversation, listening to the, these two sides of two sides of it talk, you get it. You start to get a sense of who these people are and uh, what makes them tick and how they work, and that leads to an understanding. And if you start to understand who these characters are, you can kind of get a sense of how they might react and how they might respond and how they might talk. And so you can sort of start working out for yourself, uh, well, maybe he would have been a little more angry, or maybe he would have been a little more somber, or maybe he would have been a little more jovial. Uh, you know, maybe he likes this thing that the son hates, or, you know, maybe he would have been telling a few more jokes, or maybe he would have been, you know, quieter. And I think that, that giving... Presenting as such an intimate story and such an intimate relationship and dynamic in a way that allows the viewer to twist it in their own direction is is a fascinating prospect and one that feels very difficult to present. And yet I think it's it's presented beautifully in, in The Moon and the Sun. Uh, the, the voice work between Totoro and Wallach is great. Uh, you know, you, you kind of lose sense of that these are real big famous names talking and they kind of embody these characters amazingly. Uh, the animation is is very very competent and is able to keep up with the storyline and, and the, the, the flow of things in a way that, that feels genuine and feels natural. Uh, and and it's, it's just a really fascinating experience and experiment uh so i like a lot the moon and the sun colon and imagined conversation from 2005 winner of the best animated short category and it walks away with my highest rating which is a 72 uh, of the films i've talked about so that being said the other thing 
I want to do is if I can uh, remember things here. Uh, what did we start out with? We started out with two soldiers. Okay, so we go to 2003. See what else we got here. Um, this is the second short film that I've seen from 2003 that was nominated for an Oscar and Best Live Action Short. The other being Gridlock, which I don't remember a damn thing about. <laughs> Let's see here. Um, it's a foreign language film. It's only six minutes. Oh, I do remember it. Um, my summary is a man calls home on a new cell phone to tell his family he's stuck in traffic. I gave that a 66. So uh, definitely I didn't agree with Two Soldiers winning that year, as Gridlock at least was already better. Um, what's the next one? Uh, it was a documentary that I gave a 49. Oh, boy. Um, half Acre. Half Acre. Good Nature's Half Acre. That is the only live-action short film I've seen from 1951. So it wins by default. Okay. Then we got An Occurrence in 1963, which is, again, the only one. Let's see here. The more recent years are definitely going to have some. So like Saving Face from 2011, 69 I gave it. Uh, another short film that was nominated for documentary short that year is God is Bigger Than, is God is the Bigger Elvis, which I gave a 41. So not super excited about that one. Uh, that's the only other one I've seen though. What else do we have? Then we have the animated one, so Harvey Crumpet. If I spell it right. From 2003, uh, so I've seen all the animated short films from 2003, which includes Das Rod, or Rocks, which I gave a 57, uh, Gone Nutty, which I gave a 63, Bounden, which I gave a 66, and the only film I rated higher than Harvey Crumpet is Destino, which I gave an 84, which was a uh, Disney collaboration with, I believe, Salvador Dali? see here which is a ultimately at least the animation style is and it ultimately results in my summary of beautiful depiction of a love story and it is it's only seven minutes long but I, I really love it so Harvey Crumpet very good but my number two animated short film of the category that year and that finally brings us to Sun Moon and the Sun which is one of the three animated short films I saw from that year's category, 2005. One of the others being Badgered, both of which got higher ratings. So Badgered, I gave a 77. And One Man Band, which is a Pixar short film, I gave an 85. So uh, I really like The Moon and the Sun. I think definitely feels like the kind of short film that the Academy would prefer over the others. Um, but I do like both of the other short films that I saw a little bit better. So, that said, um, that's about it though. Like I said, I will put uh, links to watch these six films in the show notes if anyone is so inclined. I do encourage you to check out all of them. Uh, none are without merit, even though 
couple of them are rated a little bit lower. I think they are all worth seeing. And um, yeah, that's about it. Uh, thank you for listening to today's episode. Really appreciate it. If you would like to check out more episodes, check out uh, more information, top 10 lists, statistics, Circle of Film Awards, things like that, head over to circleoffilm.com for that and much, much more. Uh, if you would like to find me, follow me on social media, you can find me Twitter at Circle of Film or send me an email, circleoffilm at gmail.com. I'm on Letterboxd. I'm everywhere. It's kind of true. Uh, if you would like to support the show, uh, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com slash circleoffilm for as little as eight cents an episode. You can also do so on iTunes by rating and reviewing the show. Uh, Thank you for listening once more. And as always, have a week. So long, farewell, I'll be the same goodnight. I know she'll never leave me, even as she fades from view. So long, farewell, I'll be the same adieu. Wait a minute.